Welcome to Manager Tools. The dangers of managing a high C. Part two. Here we go. All right, Danny, last time we, we talked about um, danger number one, high C's taking too long, and we talked about some solutions to that. So let's get to our other dangers. We have two more, right? We have two more. And the, and the first one being uh, high C's focusing on details and missing the big picture. Very common. Absolutely. And just if you if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to part one, we definitely recommend you go back and listen to part one. Right, Mike, because we'll in part one, we explain what a high C is and, and that. So if you're not unfamiliar with what we're talking about, you might want to go back and and listen to that. Yeah, it'll be very confusing otherwise. Yeah. So so the second danger, absolutely. High C's really like to focus on the, the details and not so much the larger picture. Their desire is to get everything right. And sometimes that means that a high C worries about every factor, regardless of its relative importance to other factors. That's right. And we often describe high C's as perfectionists, right? And this, and if you if you think of forget the term high C, if you think of a perfectionist, what does perfectionists do? They focus on every little detail, dot the I's, cross the T's, take forever. Dot your I's, cross your T's. Yeah. <laughs> as well, even if they're not I's or T's sometimes. There you go. So for example, when a high C perfectionist prepares a spreadsheet, rather than accepting another department's input into their document, into their spreadsheet, they create a simple rule to validate that the data is accurate. Rather than believing the chart that they get, they ask for the raw data and they verify that the formulas are ac accurate. They perhaps ask three, four, five questions of the person who supplied the data to make sure the assumptions in the previous work haven't become invalid. And this takes time, possibly even hours. Or days. Or days. <laughs> <laughs> or it could feel like days. <laughs> if you're high eye, that is. If you're yeah. high eye. <laughs> now, in their defense, they would argue that, hey, you wouldn't want me to start working using bad data, right? You wouldn't want me to start this project with invalid assumptions because that's going to cause me to generate bad recommendations. Eh, fair enough. I completely agree with that. But guys, look, if the data was presented to the VP last month at the end of the quarter, the assumption that it's accurate is a reasonable one. And you spending five hours validating something about which a reasonable assumption of validity can be made is just wasteful of time. And time is so precious. That's right. Yeah. High C's desire for accuracy sometimes leads them to not trust the inputs of others. And, it, and it's destructive from, from a couple of different perspectives. One is that it takes time to revalidate all that data. And secondly, it implies, <laughs> it suggests lack of, lack of trust of others' work. Right. Which isn't helpful for the relationships. Exactly. And high C's are not exactly known for being the best at creating relationships. So there's, there's a number of, there's a number of um, detriments, if you will, to this kind of behavior, um, besides just taking time. So anyways, you gotta be, that's something to, to watch out for with high C's. All right. So that's the problem. So what's, what's the, what's the solution to, um, a high C's tendency to focus too much on the details and miss the big picture? Yeah. So the solution is pretty simple. You're going to discuss the big picture regularly. It's completely reasonable to ask about not just the progress thus far, 
and the tasks that are presently due, but to also ask about your perfectionist direct sense of their future efforts. Right? Perfectionists often work with the idea that if every part of what they do is perfect, then the entire body of their work will also be perfect. Hmm. But what this leads to is lateness and sacrificing the whole for each of the parts. And there's very little work in the professional world today thanks to deadlines driven by the marketplace and customers that allows anyone to truly achieve the highest quality possible. There, there's nothing out there that's, that's perfect. Right. Yeah. I can see that. I might, I exhibit with that same behavior, right? I wait, I want everything to be perfect and it just kills me. <laughs> it just kills me to, to release something that's not perfect and it will never be perfect. And maybe talking about the big picture and helping high C's understand the big picture is going to help. Right, overcome that. They'll, they'll never let it go, but maybe they'll modify their behavior ever so slightly. A little bit, yeah. When a discussion about the work turns into an in-depth discussion about something you don't see as critical, that's a time when you can ask again about the, the big picture. Questions like, what impact is this going to have? Can you afford to spend this amount of time on this factor when these other factors a, B, C are also necessary and are probably going to take even more time. Right? You might ask your high C direct, realistically, how much more time can you afford to spend on this based on its value or relevance, re relevance and still meet the deadline? Right? And I think those are really great questions to ask a high C because they're logical. They're not emotional questions. You're not just, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a high D or a high I like me, you're not just venting frustration in them taking too long. You're That's asking right. them to look at it from a logical perspective, right? These other things are going to take probably more time than the task you're on right now. Uh, you know, really, how much more time you want to, do you want to spend on this when the future things are going to take longer? really logical. Yeah, that's a good point. The high C is not going to be motivated by emotion and frustration and, uh, you know, emotional kind of things. They're going to be looking at data and facts. I think those questions are, are great. I'm a high C and I know I respond well to them. Yeah, my tendency as a high D, high I would be to, to say something like, you know, come on, it's fine the way it is now. We got to move on. Look, it's good. It's good enough. Keep going. And that's just not that's not effective with a high C, right? Those are very emotional um, responses, not logical at all. Right. And you're really what you're really trying to do is simply get them to lift their head up from the task at hand, like the one thing they're focusing on, getting just perfect, to lift their head up just for a moment and see the impacts of their focus on that on the rest of their project. Right. And it's not saying that the thing that they're focused on right now isn't important. It's just saying relative to the scope and the size of this project or the overall timeline, right? How, how important is it? It's, it's talking about the big picture. And we recommend you don't hesitate to talk about the big picture early on. Your high C direct, your perfectionist direct probably isn't thinking about the big picture. They're thinking about the details, right? Remember, they, they focus down in the weeds on the details. Their work style does matter. Their focus, their tendency to focus on the detail, but so do your obligations to meeting reporting and deadline responsibilities as well. Yeah. But again, talk about it often. You know, if you talk about the beginning of the project and the importance of the big picture, you know, the, the high C's quickly get into the details and, and forget that. So it literally, if you, you're doing one-on-ones and you are doing one-on-ones, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> certainly, <Hopefully. laughs> certainly, if you're listening to this, you're doing one-on-ones. And talking about it, asking these kind of questions during every one-on-one -on -one is not 
it's not such a bad idea with a high C. So cool. So let's get on. How, how many how many problems? How many dangers the high C's have? I'm feeling a little. I'm feeling a little beaten up here. I had a, a listener, Paul Sage, who's a high C, and he wrote me a note and he said, I'm not that bad. <laughs> so, Paul, you're right. You're not that bad. And I'm sure somewhere down the road we have a danger of managing the high eyes. Oh, yeah, we do. Well. Oh, yeah, we do. And that's, <laughs> That'll be fun. And I'm, yeah, I'm going to find that to be particularly fun. <laughs> given, That'll be a good Given time. you and Mark, this will be, yeah. So, um, high C's often fail to collaborate and communicate, right? They're, they're so focused in the details and getting work done that lifting their head up and actually opening their mouth and uttering something and communicating to others is not the first thing they think about, no, generally speaking. No, it's not speaking. a high priority, right? Perfectionists prefer to work alone. They would rather not collaborate. Too much time listening to other people talk about issues and problems that aren't interesting or valid concerns that's not effective in the mind of a high C, right? Why are we talking about the work and instead of just doing it. I got to share this. I, so uh, I've done some stupid, many, many stupid things in my career, but this is the ultimate high C, high C, uh, high D. I'm a high D, high C. This is my, uh, yeah, this, this, will, this will ring true for those of you who are high D, high C. So this was probably, this is 25 years ago or so. And uh, at the time, one of the largest companies in the world the corporate ID department, and we're responsible for this this project. There's two team leads, me and my buddy Justin, and this project, even before we were involved, was way behind schedule. And so we're still behind schedule, and the head of corporate IT decides to have a, a motivational meeting with us and talk about the importance of the project. And so you got John sitting there, and he's got talking talking to us about the importance of this, and he has the entire chain of command in there. So he turns to the director and asked her, hey, is there anything I can do to, to help you? Oh, no, John, you're, oh, you're, you're doing great. You're giving us all the support. We really are on top of this. We're going to get this thing done. So there's a five-minute conversation. So then John turns to the uh, the senior manager, and the senior manager says, oh, no, John, you're doing the you're, you're giving us all the support we need. We really appreciate it, blah, 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 blah. That's what I'm thinking, blah, 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 blah. Turns to the manager. The manager goes, same story. John, we love all your support. Blah, 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 blah. So finally, finally gets to Justin. He goes, Justin, Justin, anything we can we can do to, to, to help? I might, you know, you're getting all the support you need. This is a really important project. Justin goes, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're, thanks, John. You're doing, you're, you're doing everything we need. We feel like we, we got this under control. And he finally gets to little old me. Mike, anything I can do to, to support you in this project, help us get this done? And I said, yeah, John, you can stop having these two-hour meetings about how important this is so I can get some real work done. Oh, no, you did not. I did. <laughs> I did. I did, indeed. Um, not the smartest response I've ever had in my career. <laughs> so, high D, high C stupidity right there. Let so, me get back to work. Needless to say, needless to say, the next 12 hours of my life were wasted talking to everybody in the chain of command about how stupid I was. <laughs> so, and the need for communication and collaboration and all those other kind of things that I just was not interested in. So there you go. And folks, so if you're high C and you've suffered from these um, problems, uh, there is hope. There is hope. You can change. It's it's a long, hard road, but you can do that's it. That's why you guys invented email, right, Mike? So you wouldn't have to go to those meetings. That's anymore. right. That's exactly that's exactly right. I sent you an email. Come on, and it had like five attachments. Didn't you read them? 
Did you read it? Can we not have this meeting? Yeah. So that's awesome. Go. That's a great story. I'm totally gonna to tell that story at future. Oh yeah, please just share that. I just shared it with a million people, so I guess that's. I guess it's out. <laughs> So clearly, as Mike has demonstrated with that great story, right, high C's going to meetings, communicating about the work is not high on their priority list, right? They would rather be back in their office doing the work. And when they do need to work with other people, the high C perfectionists will frequently under communicate, right? Because they, their natural tendency is to not communicate. And then they get frustrated because other people's work isn't done completely or it's not done in a timely ma manner, right? That, well, I sent you an email, didn't you read it? Um, that we often hear from high C's. In our previous podcast we have uh, called Owning the Inputs, we talked about this concept. If you need something from someone else in order to get your own work done, you are responsible for acquiring the necessary input from them without it having to be stated. And failure to do so is not their fault, but your responsibility, right? If Mike, Mike, if you owe me something on a project so that I can do my deliverable on that project and you don't get me what you owe me, I don't get a, I don't get a pass. I don't get to come to the project team meeting and say, well, I didn't get done because Mike didn't give me his thing, right? That, no, you, I'm responsible for following up with Mike and getting what I need from him in order to get my deliverable, my task done. And that requires communication. Now, high C's are, as we just talked about, are famous for sending an email asking for the input. And then when they don't get it, blame the person, blaming the person from whom they requested the assistance for their own delay. Guys, email, it isn't enough. One communication isn't enough. Uh, I say at conferences fairly regularly, you don't get to say, hey, I sent the guy an email. You just don't get to say that. Yeah, people are not machines. And, and if your email gets lost in the 400 that person gets every day, you can't blame the person. Like there's, we all prioritize stuff and one communication is likely possible to get lost in, in, in the, just the, the deluge of information we get every day. I tell you what, today with the, with the prevalence of email, um, I tell you the value of a phone call has gone up tremendously, or yes, I think over the last, 20 years, I, I mean, 20 years ago, that's the only way we really communicated. And today it's, it's rare I get a phone call from somebody. I get emails, but it's rare I get a phone call. And text, right? With email and text. I mean, I just, I was just reminded of this uh, the other day. I was, I've actually been home this week, which has been great. And uh, Paul, who's new on our team, sent me a, a mail with um, some, some details about a project, a small project he's doing for me. And I, I immediately just started, I just picked up my phone and started texting him. I was like, you know, I, I'm here. I'm in the, I'm in my office. He's probably in his office. I haven't talked to him in a while. I just need to pick up the phone and call him. And it wasn't a long conversation. It was probably, it was maybe five or seven minutes long, but it just reminded me of my own natural tendency to just send a text instead of picking up the phone and calling. Well, I want to use this time to give you some feedback, not in the feedback model. I want to give you some input and thank you for the phone, for doing a phone call versus, versus text. Cause I hate text. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's your favorite thing. God, I yeah, and just just add some smileys on the back of them if you would, please. Some emojis. Okay. Anyways, yeah, emojis. Yeah, emojis. I love emojis. And so delays due to lack of communication or a lack of relationships, which a lack of communication is going to lead to a lack of relationships, because guys, the way we build relationships is by communicating with each other, and that doesn't mean email. 
right? So the, uh, delays due to that isn't accept is not acceptable because the perfectionist doesn't want to engage, doesn't want to collaborate. They are still on the hook for the work. That's right. All right. So what's the solution? Yeah, encourage collaboration and communication. Pretty simple. Yeah. So how do we do that? When you're starting an effort with a high C, spend a minute thinking about what part of the effort is going to require them to communicate with other people. Schedule time um, meeting with other people or asking for, for input from other people, right? Just take, take a couple moments and think about who are they gonna have to talk to? What are they gonna have to talk to them about? How much time are they gonna have to spend scheduling time, um, gaining other people's input? Right? And it might sound like this. Again, during a one-on-one, -on -one, it's a great time to have this conversation. Right? You might say something like this. Hey, Mike, you know, you're going to need to get the raw data on that project from Olivia. Please make sure you let her know this week. You know, it usually takes her a couple of days. Right? We, we know that from past experience. She's got a lot going on. Pretty simple. I love that. And it's really what you're really doing is you're, you're taking the things that the high C doesn't normally think about, not not on the top of their head um, and you're causing them to think about the, the communication that needs to happen and really think of them as tasks, just like creating the spreadsheet or updating some formula, updating some code somewhere or a marketing script, whatever it is. Think about communications as tasks and deliverables, just like you would anything else. Absolutely. Now, some people are going to think that's micromanaging, right? I mean, that's the, they that. are. Yes. I, I think that micromanaging is probably from from my conversations I have with managers at our conferences every week, it seems to be one of the biggest fears of managers is to be accused of micromanaging. Uh, they really don't want to be a micromanager. Guys, this is not micromanaging. It's just managing. It's knowing your direct strengths and weaknesses and helping them mitigate problems that come out of their strengths or their weaknesses. In this case, it would be a weakness, right? The problem with most of us managers is that we think that the level of involvement that we have with our directs is managing, when really what most of us are doing is much closer to under-managing. Guys, right. if you're not doing one-on-ones, if you're not giving lots of feedback, if you're not coaching, if you're not delegating, then you are under-managing. That's right. You, you communicate with your folks once every two weeks, and then you want to engage with them and you're afraid of, oh, I, I'm, maybe I'm getting too much in the details. Maybe I'm micromanaging, which, maybe is, I'm just, micromanaging. which, is, just which is just crazy. It really yeah. is. Yeah, because then when we do engage more specifically, right, when we do in, get down into some details on a project, we're afraid of being accused of micromanagement, right? Because we, we've been undermanaging and now we're going to take a deep dive on something and now we're like, oh, they're going to think I'm micromanaging. This is totally false. And our directs say the same thing. Our directs say, oh, you're micromanaging, and then we, then we conclude, oh, see, I was right. I am, gonna, I am micromanaging. But guys, our directs are wrong, too. They're just responding to the increase in your attention or your focus on something. And they also think that they have been managed all along when actually they have only also been being undermanaged. So you're undermanaging. Your directs are used to you undermanaging. You focus a little bit more on details. You fear being accused of being a micromanager. They start saying, oh, you're micromanaging me. And it just causes this spiral downwards, right? If you're doing what we recommend, if you're doing one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation, then this absolutely, you know this is not micromanaging. It's just managing. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, we should probably come up with a, a set of questions a manager could ask yourself that would indicate whether or not they're sufficiently managing or not. Like, do you know what your directs are working on today? Now, which 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 sounds kind of ludicrous, but I, I I bet you there is a large there are a large number of managers out there where I'd ask their ask them, what is your direct specifically working on today? And they would not be able to tell me. Yeah. And if you can't answer that question, I think you're under managing at that point. I don't you know have to know specifically what line of code they're writing, but you ought to know what what program they're working on or what deliverable they're working on. And I think too many managers don't know the answer to that. Sad to say. Yeah. So what do we actually say? Okay, so the solution is we're going to encourage collaboration and communication. So what do we actually do? We're going to give them early guidance about communicating more and earlier and differently than an, e an email in every case, right? So it could sound like this. You're going to have to call Michael. You know, he's not great with mail. He checks his voicemail all the time, though. And if you want to be really smart, dude, I would text him because he is a fiend with text messages. Don't forget, communication is what the listener does, right? It doesn't matter if you sent him an email. If he didn't read it, then you didn't communicate. Yeah, right. Remind him that everybody's different, right? In this case, Michael. That wasn't a description of me. Uh, and <laughs> Michael's different and email isn't enough. Um, you know, and, and also let them know that people appreciate advance notice of requests. If you request, give them some advance notice. Folks love that. Absolutely. And also remind them to ask for other people's suggestions, recommendations, and input. That goes to the heart of the collaboration piece. Don't hesitate to ask Claire about how her project went last quarter. They worked a lot on this stuff, and I think they struggled for a little while. You may have to see her, uh, you know, when she's having coffee at her desk first thing. You know, she's always in meetings. She's in meetings even more than the rest of us. Something like that, reminding them of how other people work and, and ways that they can communicate with them effectively based on what you know about the other folks' work style. Really, really valuable. Now, this takes them being willing to not just send an email, but to have enough of a relationship with other people that they feel comfortable asking, and even better, doing it face-to-face -face sometimes. You have to start somewhere. That's right. You know, this just reminds me just the value of DISC, the, the DISC, the DISC model, our effective communications conference, which, which uses DISC quite a bit, and really understanding the behavioral profiles of other people. Now, how do other people naturally communicate is one thing that DISC is very powerful on, and ICs can, can benefit by being reminded that not everybody is just like them. The way they think, just like for high I's, or high, we say the same thing to high S's or high C's, high D's. You know, your way is not, quote unquote, the right way, right? It's a way, right? A way that works, that often works very, very well. But others have different tendencies. They prefer to be communicated to in different ways. And to the extent that you learn about other people's tendencies, how they want to be communicated with, and you communicate to them in that style, you're going to be more effective. And a high C, just like any other pro, would really benefit by being reminded of that. And as a manager, you have the ability, even if they're not a, they're not comfortable with DISC or they don't know DISC, you have the opportunity to help them learn that, even if you don't use DISC-like language, right? You can Absolutely. talk very specifically. John likes to be communicated via voicemail. John does not like email. He doesn't read email. He's terrible in email. But if you communicate with him phone, he'll be glad to speak with you. So don't send John a bunch of emails. 
give them a call. And for a high C, that's it's an uncomfortable thing to do. They prefer not to not to communicate via voice or phone calls. They prefer email. So get them out of their get them out of their box, get them out of their comfort zone, and teach them that they can be more effective by communicating in the style that other people prefer. And and I really think that the more specific you can be in helping them with that by specifically saying things like, "Hey, remember, John, not great on email." give them a call, right? As opposed to just leaving it more uh, general and, and ambiguous, the better, right? Because yes, again, right. Yeah. high C's very detail oriented. If you just tell a high C, hey, you need to communicate more, he's probably gonna send more email. Yeah, <laughs> right? and, and you have a new employer, you know, somebody who's young, I don't mean young in age, but new to the workforce, right? They could be older, young, it doesn't really matter, but if they don't have a lot of uh, experience in, in a professional environment, they're not necessarily thinking about that right they think that the way they communicate is the way everybody communicates everybody is just like me and it's obviously not true um and you can do if they're earlier in their career and they learn this this important lesson you've made a difference in that person's life for years for the next 30 years of their life they will achieve more and be more effective as a result of learning that very simple lesson um, absolutely and i wish i had that learned that a little bit earlier and my, and avoided some of the gaffes, uh, leave me alone, don't stop having these stupid meetings, um, probably would have been useful for me. And luckily, actually, as part of that lesson, um, I got a new manage, manager shortly after that. Uh, I think they thought I needed to be more effectively managed. And uh, Louise Charles, uh, bless her heart, is the one that was instrumental in helping me get that, that lesson. And uh, she did it. She she got my attention. That's a different story, but uh, a couple of hammers on the side of the head. I finally got it, and it significantly changed the direction of my career. And I'll always remember and be thankful for Louise for that. And uh, if you're listening, so you're a manager. You got a high C working for you. Um, well, it could go for any anybody. Um, help them be better. That's what you're there for. Yeah. So should we sum it up, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Good. So like the rest of us. High C's have their strengths and weaknesses. We all have things that we're really good at. And we all have things that we're not so good at. This podcast has been talking about high C's. We High D's have weaknesses too and I's and S's as well. There are some simple things that we can do as managers to help the weaknesses not be fatal flaws, right? Nobody expects you to be perfect. I don't expect my directs to be perfect. I know that they have weaknesses. My job is to help those weaknesses not just destroy their career, right? Not have it be something that goes from just a, a, a weakness to a fatal flaw. You don't have to change them. You don't have to eliminate their weaknesses, but you do need to help them mitigate the impact of those weaknesses. And now we've given you three very specific ways that you can do that. Great. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Mike. It's always fun. All righty. We'll see you later. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this series. We'll start a new one next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.